Good morning, and welcome to Heights Christian Church. If you are joining us for the first time online, um, I am Pastor Jeremy Bannister, and here at Heights Christian Church, we want to tell you a little bit about ourselves. We're about three things. We love God, we love God's people, and we love serving God. And we love God by coming together in this place every Sunday morning. It's the only thing that, that binds us together as a Christian people is our love and our pursuit of God and what he's done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so every Sunday morning at 1030, we gather here in person or at least here for a time being. We also gather online uh, and we come together with the idea that we're going to be in fellowship with one another as Jesus has asked us to be. And this is how we love God in this place. But as small as our congregation is in general, even when everybody's here, we have about 160 people here and we're running probably about eight, about half of that right now um, with the lockdowns and stuff. But I don't get a chance to necessarily say hi to everybody during this time. And so what we have is we have a number of life groups and many of our life groups are still meeting, uh, some virtually, some in person. And we come together in these life groups so that we can pray for one another and live life together and keep each other accountable in our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and this is how we learn to love God's people together. And finally, we love serving God. We believe that God is giving you talents, gifts, and abilities to use for his name's sake so that you might grow to maturity and that you might help others grow into maturity in their faith. And so by exercising those gifts, whether it's teaching a Sunday school class, even cleaning the sanctuary, whether it's calling those who are sick or or just checking on people in general, we believe that you using your gifts in the ministry of Heights Christian Church will help mature you into the uh, believer that God has called you to be. By doing these three things, loving God, love God's people, and love serving God, in increasing measure in this place, we believe it will spill out from this place so that you and I can fulfill what Jesus called us to do in the Great Commission, which is to make disciples of all nations. And that's who we are at Heights Christian Church, and we are so glad that you are a part of us. I want to let you guys know about a few things that are happening here in July, um, some that are coming up fairly quickly. Uh, this uh, Sunday after church, we are going to have kind of a salad luncheon. And so there's been a sign-up sheet out in the uh, foyer, uh, or you can text the text in church number, uh, 505-207-4443, and just say, uh, salad, let us know how many people are coming and what type of salad that you are going to bring with you uh, for that time that we're going to get together. It's going to be it's going to be amazing. We're looking forward to all who will be joining us during that time. So make sure you do that uh, so we know to do that as well. We're also looking forward to a special graduate service, not this, this coming Sunday, the 19th, but the next Sunday, the 26th. And so if you have a student who has graduated in this past year, here 2020, we want to honor them. So we're going to have a very special service here because a lot of them didn't have a very real service. And so you are welcome to contact me and we'll get together and I'll contact you as well uh, during these next couple of weeks and see what we can do to make this graduation service on the 26th, a special one for our graduates in 2020. 
Uh, we also have a summer movie night on Friday, July 31st. It's to be determined. We don't know exactly what it's going to be, but it will be a great time of fellowship. We'll be out in the grassy uh, playground. You'll be able to listen in the comfort of your car via the FM thing, or you'll be able to listen if you want to get some chairs to sit out on the grassy field and watch a movie and community together. It was a great time when we did it last time, and we're looking forward to doing that yet again. So we would love for you to be a part of that as well. Um, we have been going through these. Uh, one of the things we're doing here at Heights is it's our goal to go through the Bible in five years. And we're at the, a little past the halfway mark now, which is really nice, as, as we move into the study in Second Kings. And um, what we do at Heights is we read six days a week together the Word of God. And then on Sundays, I, either myself or Pastor Mark or whoever comes and shares the Word of God, shares in whole or in part from those passages of Scripture so that we might be edified in our understanding of the Word of God and how it exalts the name of Jesus so we understand our faith even better. So that's that's what we're doing right now. If you would like a book going through Second Kings, First uh, and Second Kings books are still out in the information desk. You can grab one from over there. Or if you're online or you're, you're wanting to read electronically, you can text the letters PDF to that same number, 505-207-4443. And we'll make sure that you get a copy, an electronic copy of First and Second Kings. The dates are on them, so you'll know what date uh, that we're doing and, and where we're at each week. And so uh, we pray that you enjoy with us this study together. Um, Let's see. Finally, if you have any prayer requests, we would encourage you as well to to text your prayer request to that same number, 505-207-4443, and we would love that. Let us know if you're listening in the comments. You're, you're welcome to type in your name and saying, tell us where you're listening from. If you're new here, we, we appreciate that. You can text that word welcome to that same number, 505-207-4443. All we do with that is let you know a little bit more about us, help you get a little bit more connected, and it gives us an opportunity to pray for you as well. So thank you guys for that. As we continue our study in Kings, we're actually stepping into Second Kings. And today... We're going to be looking at uh, this passage of Scripture. This past week we read 2 Kings chapter 1 through 2 Kings chapter 8 and verse 6. And it's a really interesting section of Scripture as we're seeing the passing off of the spiritual authority which was vested in Elijah at the time to uh, the person that God has called next to be prophet, uh, a mouthpiece for God, if you will, uh, for the people of the northern kingdom in Elisha. Now, they weren't the only ones there. There were other prophets that were up there in that kingdom, but these were the main ones that had the, the largest influence that we see within the scriptures here. And there's some interesting things that happen within these eight chapters. Uh, one of the things that you may have noticed is that these eight chapters are just filled from beginning to end. It's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. It starts with Elijah. And it starts with the king saying, hey, go bring, and he's basically trying to bring Elijah by force to him to ask if he's going to recover from this. So he sends 50 soldiers after him. And the 50 soldiers, when they come, they say, hey, a man of God, come and follow us. And he says, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you. And that happens to the first two regiments that come to try and force Elijah to come to the king. The third one comes uh, very respectfully 
and with much fear and trembling, as we would imagine, he didn't want to lose his life. And he, and he even says so in that passage of Scripture. We move to chapter 2 where Elijah is going to be called up into heaven in a story that many of us knew in Sunday school and the like. But Elijah is one of the only two people in the Bible that is told that they are, don't die. And the first one is Enoch, and we can find him in uh, Genesis chapter 5. It says he walked with God for 300 years, and after, uh, after he had kids, when he was 65 years old, he walked with God for 300 years, and then he was no more because God took him. You know, everybody else died, but in Enoch's case, God took him. With Elijah, the same thing kind of happens. He knows that he's going to be taken away. Elisha even knows that he's going to be with the Lord that day. And so this whole day, they just know this impending transition is taking place. And in the midst of that conversation, Elisha asks him, you know, my Lord, can I have a, a double portion of your spirit? And Elijah says, if you see me when God takes me away, if you see me, you will have a double portion of my spirit. Now, one of the things you should note, but with Elijah and Elisha, especially concerning these passages of scripture, is there's not a whole lot, thus saith the Lord. We see many prophets throughout the scripture, both before them and after them, uh, when they invoke the name of God in this, this is a proclamation kind of separated themselves from the proclamation of God. I'm speaking for God. This is, this is a, a, a uh, proclamation that's directly from him. Don't, don't uh, confuse it with myself. But with Elijah and Elisha, we don't see that so much. And so what we see oftentimes is when they speak, they're speaking with the authority of God. And it's understood that way by everybody who's around them. In so much that both Elijah and Elisha are called throughout this passage of scripture, a man of God or the man of God. It's a really interesting connotation. Something about them was set apart from everybody else. Elisha, the man of God, the man of God. He was a prophet, but he was the man of God. Go talk to the man of God because he was a testimony for God in a God forsaken land. And really, that's the title of this sermon today. It's called A Testimony for God. And I kind of want to look at this. Like I said, if we look at the entirety of 2 Kings chapter 1 through chapter 8, verse 6, what we see, like I I said, is just instance of miracle after miracle after miracle. Some of them we know very, very well. We remember Naaman's leprosy. We remember maybe Elisha being surrounded by, by an army only to say that ones that we have are more than what they have. Open my servant's eyes so that he'll be able to see. And he opens his eyes and all around them are the hosts and chariots of the Lord. And we see these grandiose miracles. Maybe that, that mirror that of Elijah with the prophets of Baal. And yet at the same time. As much as we focus on those things, I actually want to look at some of these quote-unquote lesser miracles. See, Elisha had said, hey, if I, if I, Elijah had said, if you see me when I leave and God takes me, you'll have a double portion of my spirit. And Elisha actually did see Elijah as he left, and, and Elijah's coat was left behind. 
And many have said, well, this double portion of spirit means that, that Elisha did exactly twice as many miracles as Elisha did. And that breakdown is seven for Elijah and 14 for Elisha. And I've heard as much as 10 for Elijah and 20 for Elisha. And and really, I don't know that God, and he may very well have been, I don't know that God was so much interested in saying exactly double. But the idea of a double portion means that he's having more than the person before him. And a double portion was often given to the first son uh, of the family when they were dividing their stuff. So whether or not we, we look and we say it's an exact double or it's close to an exact double, we can honestly say God fulfilled in Elisha from all the miracles that we read about, especially from chapter 3 on, uh, that we see a lot more miracles happening in Elisha's life. And what we don't know is how many weren't recorded, you know, in, in, in both Elijah and Elisha's life. But I think the, the writer of Kings, as the Holy Spirit is guiding him to write this history down, make sure that you know Elijah did, Elisha did a, many more miracles. And the ones I want to look at today are not your traditional ones that we look at. So if you will, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. We're going to read all of these kind of in order, okay? Second Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. It says this. A wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. And she left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what's left. If you'll go down to the bottom of that chapter, just a few verses are mentioned on it. Verse 42 of 2 Kings 4, it says this. A man came from Baal Shilashiah, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men, his servant asked. But Elisha answered, give it to the people to eat. For this is what the Lord says, they will eat and have some left over. And then he set it before them and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. And finally, 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. The company of prophets said to Elijah, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, where each of us can get a pole, and let us build a place for us there to live. And he said, Go. go." And then one of them said, Won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. And they went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. And as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? 
And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. And then the man of God reached out his hand and took it. Three small instances. Three small instances of miracles that happen. But not on a major scale, but rather on a minor scale. Because the witness of God in this God-forsaken land, because they had a king that was not righteous before God. Elisha was under the, the leadership, and the people of Israel at that time were under the leadership of unrighteous rulers. And therefore, the next spiritual authority for the people of God were the prophets and the priests. And what we see in this section of scripture is that God, even amongst a God-forsaken land where politically the, the kings and those who are in authority did not serve God, there was still a witness for God and a testimony for God among the people of God. And we see it all around, both in large and small places. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, I think is important is the idea that Elijah and Elisha in these passages of scripture are referred to many, many times as a man of God or the man of God. In other words, the people knew whom they served. The people knew to seek them out because they were men of God, men of Yahweh, men of the God of Israel, of not just the northern kingdom, but the northern and the southern kingdom of the 12 tribes of the ones in whom the promises of God were to be fulfilled. And they understood that. And there were still faithful people there as experienced by Elijah with the persecution that he received when he ran away after defeating the Baals. 7,000 people who haven't been to knee to him. Company of prophets who are still faithful to God. See all of that in the midst of a land that overall is not serving God. And you and I can take hope in that. And what I find very comforting about this is that the miracles that are mentioned here by Elisha are not just the grandiose scale that are going to catch the eyes of the king. But there's also encouragements in the middle of this that catch the eyes of the faithful. When we look at that first section of scripture that we looked at in 2 Kings chapter 4, a wife of the man from the company of prophets cries to Elijah, uh, Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. So this is the faithful talking to the faithful in the midst of oppression of the people of faith. And Elisha goes to her. It says, what's going on? He I'm about to have to sell my two children into slavery. Because that's how it worked. You sold off your debt by selling your children. And their work for somebody else became that payment. Until such time as the Sabbath year rolled around. And those things were released. Or the year of Jubilee rolled around. And everything reverted back. That's the way it was supposed to work. Among the people of Israel. Among the people of Judah. And so she finds herself in this position where she's going to sell her kids into slavery, indentured servitude, if you will. And so 
Elisha tells her, go grab all these, these, these things of oil that will hold oil in them and then pour and just keep pouring the oil that you have. And when all of them were full and she said there was no more, the oil stopped and she was able to go and sell that, pay off her debts and live on the rest. And the grace of God was shown among God's people. Not in a huge thing, but in a small thing. In the same way, at the end of that passage of scripture, uh, in chapter 4, when we see that, that God provides for a hundred men, and the man of God is there with the barley bread and, a, and said, sit everybody down and we're going to eat together. And like, how are we going to eat for a hundred people? We don't have enough. But by, by the word of the Lord, I'm going to encourage the people of God by sitting down and having enough for everybody so that God is seen among the midst of the people. And finally, we see the company of prophets who have grown to a hundred people. You know, and the company of prophets, like, this place is too small for us. We need to have more, uh, we need to have more uh, place where we can live and where we can do the things that God has called us to do. So they move to this other place and they start building uh, the houses and the different things that they need for that place. And while they're doing that, an axe head falls off. Now, of course, you and I can go down to Walmart and just get another axe head. They're probably anywhere from $9 to about $27 just for a regular type of axe head. Those of you who are really into woodworking and using it for a living, you can find really expensive axes as well, can't you? You really can. But you have to understand... Iron back in this day was exceptionally expensive. Just having one is amazing. So this prophet that has one has a treasure in his hand, but it's a working treasure because it helps them to build their houses. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever seen iron, iron don't float, it sinks. And so when the axe head falls off, how many of you have ever had an axe head fall off before? Okay. I have not, but how many of you have gotten to the point where you were worried about the axe head falling off, so you stopped using the axe or threw it away or got a new one? Okay? I've been in that position. But the axe head falls off, cracks off the top of it, and falls into the water. And I'm guessing this must be deep enough water that they're worried that they can't get it. And so he says, oh no, it was borrowed. So not only has he lost an axe, which is needed for the building of this, this section that they're having for themselves so they can be faithful for, to God. But secondly, this is a very expensive thing to lose. And so Elijah, by the grace of God, takes a stick, throws it down, and by the grace of God, the iron floats and he's able to grab the axe head again. Whether he makes a new axe from it or not, I, Scripture doesn't say. But these little serendipities, if you will, of God's presence among his people, uh, this testimony that God is still moving, even among a pagan land, is such an encouragement for all of us. And it's important for us to note that these, these three that I'm talking about here were miracles done among the people of God. They weren't done as a testimony to a pagan nation but, or a pagan leadership, but rather an encouragement to the people of God that God has not left them and was not going to leave them without testimony, that he was still there. 
And I believe for you and me, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we can take heart because I think some of us would agree that right now we're living in more and more God-forsaken land, aren't we? Things are changing really, really quickly. Even the way that we come together is strained, isn't it? Because we're meeting online, we're meeting in person, and, and, and that fellowship, just the way that it was even five months ago, when we were meeting together as a body, just doesn't seem to, to be there. We're needing encouragement one to another. And I want to say to you, inasmuch that God has given a testimony for himself to a people who were oppressed by, by a, a governing body at that time, by a kingship that did not serve or recognize God or rarely recognize God or recognize God only when it was convenient for them and when they were in trouble, And at other times just turn their back and oppress the people of God overall. The testimony of God stayed true as the men of God stood out much differently because of it. Because they were the ones staying faithful. And I would dare say that according to the scriptures today, you and I also have that same testimony of God. You know, in John chapter 13... 34 and 35, Jesus says this in the upper room. And this is in the upper room after Judas has left. So he's left only with the faithful believers who are there. And he says this, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. As I have grown older in my relationship with Jesus Christ, these verses have become some of my favorite in all of Scripture because it tells us how we are to be a witness to the world around us. How are we a testimony of God in a God-forsaken land? Well, according to Jesus, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And he's talking believer to believer. If you love one another, that's going to stand out. If you care for one another, self-sacrificially, as Christ does, that's going to stand out in a world that wants to live for itself. And so God is not without testimony within a God-forsaken land. And I would say that much like what we see with Elisha, it's not always in these huge grandiose opportunities to preach a huge sermon or to do some great huge humanitarian thing for a thousand different people that's going to make headline news, that's going to be the testimony that God wants us to have with other people. But just like these small little serendipities that we see with Elisha, God sometimes wants you and I to exercise the love of Christ amongst one another, not in a large, loud, vocal way, but in a small way, so that we don't even know what our right hand is doing, that our left doesn't know what our right hand is doing. See, Jesus himself had said, look, if you give a cup of water... To one of these because they're a follower of mine. Because they're a disciple of mine. You will not lose your reward. 
And I think that, that's such a small thing that I could give a cup of water because I know that you're a believer in Christ. In, in the name of Jesus, I just want to give this to you because it sounds like you look thirsty. That we won't lose our reward. And I believe it's those types of testimonies that you and I are called as believers in Christ to continue to do during this time where it seems like normal life has been disrupted. Because when we look at Elisha, normal life had been disrupted because they had a pagan king. Normal life was not normal. And yet, despite that, There's still a testimony of God, both large and small, among the people. I want to share with you something that Pastor Mark shared a few weeks ago. Uh, When you take our classes and we kind of expound on this idea of love God, love God's people, love serving God, that middle section is that love God's people portion, right? And that love God's people portion is very important to note that throughout the scriptures, Every one another passage that we look at in the scriptures are believer to believer interactions. Every single one of them. There's not one that I can find. Do this with, for, to one another. So listen to this list. And I know Pastor Mark has read it before. I'm going to give the scriptural references so you can look it up yourself and know that this is what it says that we're supposed to do as a people of God, one to another. And not all of these are grandiose things that are done in the community of believers on a Sunday morning like this. So number one, we're to encourage one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Number two, we're to love one another. As I've already said, John chapter 13, 34 and 35. Number three, we're to accept one another. Romans fifteen seven. Number four, we're to instruct, teach, and admonish one another. Romans fifteen four, Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Number five, we're to serve one another. Galatians chapter five, verse 13. Number six, we're to forgive one another. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Number seven, we're to offer hospitality to one another. First Peter 4, 9. Number eight, we're to have fellowship with one another. First John 1, 7. Number nine, We're to confront one another lovingly, yet truthfully, about sin. Matthew 18, 15 through 20. And number 10, we're to build up one another to maturity. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Now, some of these things can be done on a Sunday morning in a place like this, but not everything can be done there. As a matter of fact, I would say much of this list is not necessarily the large gathering of believers as we are here, although some of it is. Maybe the instruction we can talk about doing that. The fellowship, obviously, we can. But some of these things are are, are not to be done necessarily in large and in mass like this, but rather a very personal one another, the confronting of sin, the forgiving of one another. Even the loving of one another sometimes needs to take place on a more personal level, doesn't it? The offering of hospitality to one another. The acceptance of one another. 
doesn't always happen in a large gathering, but actually is something we're continually commanded to do. And I think that to a certain extent, we as a people of God are a little thrown off. Because a lot of the the things that we are used to doing, we haven't done for four months now. As a matter of fact, just think about that. That's a third of the year that we have gone by and things have not been normal for us. And all of us are already thinking about all the crazy things that might happen in the next few weeks as we think about school and what's going to happen concerning school. And, And what about my work or what's going on? Everything's kind of thrown up in the air, right? We're all in that that unsettled, unknown land. And that's put some of us in a place where we're watching church service online because we're worried about, and maybe rightfully so, the, the, the idea of the spread of disease. And so we're like, well, we want to protect ourselves to a certain extent, or maybe we want to protect other people is our motivation behind it. And while all of those things are good and well, it's thrown us into disarray on knowing how we are to fulfill these one another passages if we remain so isolated from one another. And I would contend with you that that isolation doesn't need to be, at least not on a scale. This isn't an an admonition for everybody needing to be back in church. Would I love to see everybody here on Sunday morning? Absolutely. Do I expect that as of yet? No, absolutely not. But knowing that these one another passages are, are, are testimony of our love for one another in Christ. Remember, this is believer to believer here. And Jesus said, all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. My question to you is, what are you doing to love your brothers and sisters in Christ over these last four months? Have we just sequestered ourselves so much that we're no longer the witness God's called us to be? Nobody's asking you necessarily to come into large gathering places, but for you to avoid the body altogether, I don't think we have the ability to do that and retain our witness for one another the way that God has asked us to and it might mean that you individually may not be coming on a Sunday morning but maybe you should be visiting somebody else who's not coming on a Sunday morning or calling them up or praying with them or doing something along the way to show that I'm still loving one another as God has done this so that we don't lose connection and contact with each other. Because one of the things that distance does to us and it spreads us apart where we don't accomplish these one another passages and when we don't accomplish these one another passages we ultimately are not loving one another. And if we're not loving one another we lose the witness no matter what that witness is large or small to a world around us that needs to know Jesus. And so we need to be the testimony of God that he's designed each of us to be because of the changed life of Christ. And it starts in-house. It starts among the people of God. And we see that Elijah did that among the people of God who needed encouragement in just small little ways. And I know many of you are doing this and maybe many more of us need to do this. You know, this past week we were able to go, and it was so great uh, to go over to Mia's house and just clear out weeds. 
Um, it's all we did. A number of you uh, joined with us, and I know that she's already given testimony of what a blessing it was for her. But you know what? In the midst of all of this talk amongst everything else, it was so nice just to be in fellowship with one another, serving one another in love. It was a true testimony of what believers who care for one another in Christ, in community, come together to do just a simple little thing. We weren't there two, two and a half hours. We were done. And yet what a blessing it was. And we should be doing that for one another in this times. Those of you who are here on a Sunday morning need to be checking with those, going through the directory and finding those people who are not here on Sunday mornings. Not to say, hey, you may offer bringing them here. Maybe they just don't have a ride. Maybe they're watching online. Maybe they have needs that you guys can meet from a distance, even if it's just saying, hey, I'll go to the grocery store for you. I'll go get your car serviced. You know, just let me know how I can serve you. Because you and I as believers in Christ need that connection one to another. To be a blessing to one to another. So we build our relationship one to another. So that the world sees that we love one another. And show ourselves to be disciples of Christ to the world around us. Not necessarily through big things. But through small things. And in doing so just like Elisha. Being a testimony for God in a God-forsaken world. So my prayer for you this week, and my prayer for you for as long as these lockdowns are, are continuing or whatever is going on in our lives, is that we would continue to reach out one to another. It starts in the body of Christ. Can I just tell you that? According to the scripture, it's to the believer first. I love non-believers and I want to share with non-believers the hope that I have in Jesus. But our practice comes among the believers first. So you and I should be reaching out to believers in Christ and making sure that nobody is being neglected during this time. That we encourage one another so that people look at us and say, wow, look at that self-sacrificial love. Even though they're not all together yet, they're making sure nobody's getting left behind. I wish I had something like that. See, that's my prayer because that's the testimony of God that he has for you and for me and for the world around us. So let us love one another and learn to love one another well. Find out what the needs are in the body of Christ. What are your needs online? How can you help meet the needs of the people who might be here? Maybe you're not ready yet to to reach out in this way But those of you who are online and and are kind of sequestered at home, maybe you need to call one person here at the church and find out what you might be able to do for them. Because the love goes both ways. Or ask if you can pray for them. Or what's going on in their life. How to have encouragement one to another in this time is so important for the testimony of God in our culture today. It's so important for each one of us because we kind of take our eyes off of Jesus after we haven't been around one another a while. We forget the sweet fellowship that we've had with one another. And that, that distance, that relationship gets strained because we haven't been around one another. And my encouragement to you is we need to reach out more to each other in the body of Christ showing our love for one another, our care for one another to be a testimony for God Because even in a God-forsaken land, 
God kept a testimony for himself through the prophet Elisha and the prophet Elijah who went before him. And in matters big and small, God was seen and they were known as men of God. You and I in the same way, when we fulfill what God has asked us to do in all of these one another passages, even during this time of lockdown, we take out a step of faith to love one another, to care for one another, to show hospitality to one another. We will stand out to a world around us. We really will. And we will be able to be and continue to be a testimony for God. Until such time that we are able to fully meet together again. That's how I pray that we will care for one another. Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for this time. I pray, dear Heavenly Father, for every single person watching online, dear Heavenly Father, who are believers in Christ, that you would help us to be a testimony for God, to reach out, to love one another. And if we find ourselves that we're, we've been sequestered and we're inside, help us not to be so inside that we're not doing anything for one another because that's not of you. It may just be a phone call. It may just be a continual phone call just to offer prayer to find out what the needs are around the body. But God, that you would help us to do that, dear Heavenly Father, to reach out in faith and not forget, Lord, our brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray, dear Heavenly Father, for the ones who have been coming every week, Lord, that we forget not the ones who are not here in person, but that are either viewing online or maybe shut in. And Lord, that we would reach out to them and that we would reach out to one another in this place and find out what our needs are, dear Heavenly Father. And be the testimony for God that the world needs to see. To be considered men and women of God who are followers of Jesus Christ. Who are known because we love one another. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We just want to encourage each one of you. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, reach out to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ during this time. Let the world see that we love one another and let's be that testimony for God in this country during this time in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great week.